Okay, got it. Ready? <clears throat> You're listening to Paul Elmore. Paul Elmore. <laughs> Shh. For those who might have missed the first, this is week four, isn't it? <clears throat> missed the first three. We are talking about overcoming limiting beliefs, and this is what it will look like by the end of this series. By the end of this series, you will no longer be limited by the toxic stories you've been telling yourself, and you'll know exactly how to do that thing that's been scaring the crap out of you. I'm going to make one little amendment to that, okay? Because if you were here last week, you were all witness to this. By the end of this series, JC, Julia, Lisa, and Val will no longer be limited by the toxic stories they've been telling themselves, and they will know exactly how to do that thing that's been scaring the crap out of them. Remember those folks who stood up here? Yes. Well worthy of, a, of an applause. How do we do that? By finding a guide. Is this sounding familiar? A little broken record thing going on. We need people on our side who do not have preconceived opinions or limiting attitudes about us. JC, Julia, Lisa, and Val found people who do not have preconceived opinions or limiting attitudes about them. They reached out. They connected. We're going to find out later on in the series what it, how it pays off for them, but that's where they started. And not only do they find the guide, they're choosing to do what the guide says. Remember? JC, Julia, Lisa, and Val are going to do the stuff that makes them uncomfortable. Some of you get to decide if you want to do that as well. But they are. We've already watched it happen. And then finally, week four here, over and over and over and over and over again. I'm willing to look bad if it means I can get better. JC, Julia, Lisa, and Val decided... I'm going to risk looking funny, looking bad, looking weird, looking whatever, as they come and st came and stood right here or right here, and I'm willing to do it over and over and over again if it means I'm going to get better. Not a bad way to spend a night. How many, I, I'm actually looking forward to hearing what's happening with their stories, okay? We're not going to do it tonight, but we're going to find out what happens as we go through this series. Does this recipe seem too complex? Does this seem too difficult? It's, it's, the best recipes are the, are, the, are the best. The best recipes are the best. The easiest recipes are the best. My wife, for her birthday, got a snow cone maker a couple years back. It's this little plastic thing. You put ice cubes in the top. It's like a Snoopy snow cone machine, but it has a motor on it, and it doesn't have Snoopy on the top. You put ice in, you hit the button, and snow cone comes out the front end of it. Half of the snow cone comes out the front end of it. The back, the rest of it goes somewhere else in the machine that we have to keep drying out and shaking out and all that stuff. <laughs> I don't know where it goes. but And then you just add this little syrupy stuff to it, and you can be happy for an afternoon, especially in this heat. Simple, easy recipe. It's not complex. Ice and sugar, and we can be happy. That's, that's how it works sometimes. I like easy recipes. Now tonight we're going to talk about something, um, actually two things, which is I love actually doing these series because I learn a lot more than you guys do. That's just the facts of it again. Again, thank you for letting me use you so I can study and learn and research and grow and improve myself. I appreciate you letting me um, use you in that way. Um, this week we're going to look at the magic question. And I love this magic question, especially as it applies to limiting beliefs and experiences that are holding us back. Does anyone know what the magic question is? 
I didn't either until I made it up, okay? Here's what it is. Can I change this situation? It's not a complex question. Can I change this situation? When you think about it and chew on it for a minute, there's pretty much only, how many answers? Two, maybe three. Three answers. Yes, no, and maybe, I don't know, right now, um, okay, so about six answers. Should play that a little bit more in my head. But there's the ambiguous answer, right? There's easy things that we know the answer to. The answer is no. Can any of us, with our sheer force of our will, go out and change the temperature outside? Someday makes for good dystopian future kind of movies, um, those kinds of, but we can't right now. That's okay. And most of us are, are okay with that. We don't go out and go, dang it, I, I really almost had it today. I almost was able to change the weather. Shoot, I'll get there next. We just don't do that. We don't have that expectation. There's some things we can change, right? If we don't like our job, we can get a new job. If we don't like our, our clothing, we don't like our, where we live, there's lots of things that we can change. It's that middle one that creates all sorts of tension and stress and frustration and headache and worry and concern because it's like, I, I think I should be able to change it. I don't know if I can. Maybe I can. Maybe someone else could, and I'm not good enough. And if only I was good as then, we get all mushed up in the middle of all that, right? That's, that's what creates the distress and the frustration. There's a general rule of thumb that if we could actually learn how to apply it, I'm curious how much stress it would take off of our lives. And again, it's, it is remarkable how simple it is, but when you truly wrestle with it and understand it, um, you'll be surprised at how practical of a discerning tool it can be on a day-to-day -day basis. So. The rule of thumb is only give yourself permission to spend your limited time and energy on the situations that you can change. We have limited time, we have limited energy, we have limited resources. If you can truly get figuring out, can I change this, then the things that you can't change, you go, Okay, that's not gonna. That's not gonna get the the energy, time, energy, rest, resources, everything I have. That's not in the budget. I don't have to pay for that. I don't have to deal with that. I don't have to worry about that. And I'm only going to expend time, energy, and effort on the things that I literally can change. The idea is about learning how to avoid emotional extremes in the midst of that. Now. I'm not saying that that always means that you're happy. My daughter, who recently moved out, is on the third floor of an apartment um, in the 103-degree weather, and her apartment has no air conditioning at all. So she did what every good kid's supposed to do. We have air conditioning at home. Mom, Dad, can I come home for a few days? Sure, kiddo, come on home. We'd love to have you. She can change that. She can't change the weather. She doesn't happy about it. Now, if she didn't have parents who have air conditioning, she would have to learn how to endure it. She'd have to learn how to move through it. That might make her unhappy, uncomfortable, sad, disappointed, frustrated. But 
She doesn't waste energy on, I can change this. I should be able to change this, and I'm now going to beat myself up. I'm going to repeat the toxic stories over and over and over again that I should be able to change these things. She doesn't have to worry about changing that. So just because you can't change something doesn't mean you're always going to be happy. But the idea is to be able to avoid emotional extremes. This is what actually um, separates us out from toddlers. Any of you... Um, either work with toddlers or had toddlers in your proximity at some point in your life. Um, emotional extremes would be a good adjective for a majority of their life. Okay, Remember that snow cone I was talking about? You give them that snow cone and then it drops on the ground and what happens? You have an ear-splitting um, uh, scream that is at a pitch that most dogs can hear because their world's coming to an end because their Snoopy snow cone fell on, fell on the ground and they're disappointed and sad and distraught and terrible. It's just, I can't believe the world's come to an end like this. Sometimes it's really nice, too, because when you give them, well, I love those videos where you, the parents buy the kids the really expensive present and the kids rip open the box and they're really, really excited and they take the present and it goes over here and the box is now the thing that they love the most because they're super happy. Again, the emotional extremes of cardboard box. I can sit in it. I can wiggle around in it. I can make noises. They're happy with the basics, with the simple things like that. Children in maturity have emotional extremes. What gets really, really difficult is when we as adults who are supposed to have a broader uh, bandwidth for emotional maturity or emotional experience, we only have kind of two switches. Really, really, really happy, really glad, really excited, or really despondent, really angry. When those are your only two extremes, the world becomes actually pretty difficult. There's actually diagnoses for some of that. Again, not saying that if you have those extremes, you're, you're diagnosable, but if that's the only extremes you get to experience, that can be pretty exhausting at times. We're called to live moderately and to say, and to say, I can accept the things that I can change, and I learn how to endure the things that I can't change. Does that make sense? The phrase, instead of trying to create or demand a perfect world, we try to deal with the world as it is. I love that phrase. As I've been studying this week, um, deal with the world as it is. It's a powerful phrase. We could talk about um, we could talk about expectations versus observations. I often talk about this in my office with my clients. Before they walk in my office, if they've never been in there before, they, are, they have no idea what's in my office. But if they go in and they go, Paul better have this and this and this and this and this in his office. And if he doesn't, I'm going to be really, really disappointed, frustrated, um, distraught, even though they've never seen it. Instead, that's an expectation. They have an expectation coming into the room. Instead, they can do observations, which is, I wonder what will be behind the door to Paul's office. I wonder what couches, what chairs, what does he have on his bookshelves, what's in the windows, what kind of lighting, what kind of pictures, all those kinds of things. And if you move into life going, I'm curious to see what will show up 
versus I need life to be this way. When we, when we spend a lot of time demanding, hoping, expecting, and when it doesn't turn out that way, we either beat up others or beat up ourselves. Do you see how exhausting that gets? Do you see how much of that becomes a trap again? Observations versus assessments. My wife and I are, are going on a cruise um, in, in April for our 25th wedding anniversary. We just booked the cruise a couple days ago, um, so we actually know where we're going. But we've been looking for months and months and months, and we didn't know, we've never been on a cruise, we've never been to the Caribbean. We have no idea what are good ports, what are bad ports, what are good things to do, what are the bad things to do. We have no idea what what's good and what's bad. And so we were kind of blindly guessing, and that's why we hadn't made a decision yet, because we just simply didn't know and we didn't want to pick something bad. But we have expectations. Would that be fair to say? 25th anniversary, we're saving up for a long time, we want to have a good time, we want to know what we're getting. And then finally, a friend of my wife's on Facebook said, listen, I've been on cruises, I'm actually a travel agent, what questions do you have? She became our new best friend. My wife has sent her probably 50 emails. What about this? What about this? What about this cruise line? What does this mean? What does this do? Have you ever been to? And she's been on lots of cruises. And she was able to say, this cruise here, these ports don't go to them because they're this way, this way, this way. These ones over here, this is really, really good. For your money, you're getting a better deal. She had the experience. She was the guide. See how that works? She's further down the road. And just like we talked about in the first week here, her, we trust her more than we trust a website that, we've, that we have no relationship with. And so when she's able to say, this is a cruise that I would take right here, all we did was said, how do we sign up? What do we do? And now there's all this peace, this relaxation. My wife and I just go, decisions made, deposits put down. We are, we're ready to go. And now we have to move our hearts into, instead of expectations, we get to say, I wonder what it's going to be like. I wonder what this gonna, experience is going to be. I've never been on one. Let's see how it turns out. Isn't that going to be fun? I can't wait. Anyone been to the Western Caribbean? That's where we're going. Should be fun. A little bit. I'm bragging about it. A little bit. Um, unashamedly. Thank you very much. Um, is anyone familiar, woo, one more time, anyone familiar with that? God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. What's that called? Serenity prayer, that's made po popular by AA, 12-step programs, that is incredibly popular. This is the concept we're talking about, but there's a reason why they use this because it actually works. God grant me the serenity to, number one, accept the things I cannot change. That's what we're talking about right now. The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. It's a pretty all-encompassing prayer. Does anyone know the rest of it? See? That's what I said. There's more. Most people don't know the rest of it. Here's the rest of it. Living one day at a time enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as the path to peace, taking as he did the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right 
if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Uh, no. No. Actually, um, and I did a bunch of research on this because I was really, really curious. Uh, Reinhold, I can't say his last name, Niebuhr? Niebuhr? I don't know how to say his name. Um, if a couple folks want to help me out, I actually have this printed up for you and a couple things that go with it because we're going to discuss some of this tonight. This is where we're going to spend a few minutes on it because when you have just the first half of this, it's powerful, it's evocative, and it's incredibly helpful, but it misses, in my opinion, one of the most essential elements to actually apply this to our lives, because without the second half of the prayer, you can actually open it up to how 12-step uh, and AA programs have opened it up, which is praying that, letting that first word, God, mean pick whoever you want a higher power, all those phrases. Now, I can understand, again, the rest of this, but the original, the original uh, intent of this was actually a liturgical prayer that was um, put together in the 30s. It was uh, popularized in the 40s um, uh, as AA got developed, late 30s, early 40s. Um, and I want to take apart, if we can, the, the second half of this, because without the second half of it, the first half doesn't actually work. So, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time. The concept there, if you turn on the back side, it walks you through seven principles here about being content, learning how to be content where we're at in the moment. I used to have a really bad problem, um, if you don't get distracted by your worksheets here for a second. Um, for years and years and years, I would go to work, and while I was at work, my mind would be distracted by what's going on with the family at home, uh, what's the wife and kids doing? And so while I was working, my mind, I wasn't actually there in the moment. I was thinking about the wife and kids. Now, on the weekends and the evenings, I'd go home, and when I was at home, I was going, I got all these things I got to get done at work, I got this project I need to get done, I wish I could, and I wasn't at home either. And it was both frustrating and highly, highly unproductive. And I, I'm kind of thick at times. I hate to admit it, but I'm kind of thick. But you've all heard the phrase, work hard, play hard. Familiar with that one? Someone said it in the right way at the right time, in the right moment, and my, my learning center was engaged at that moment. And it's like, oh, wait a second. I need to learn how to do that well. I need to learn how to work hard, play hard. So what I did is I simply told myself, you know what, Paul? You are worried about both. You want to be a really good husband and a really good father, and you want to be really responsible at work, and you want to accomplish a lot of things. Your timing sucks. I mean, you got it backwards. So just do everything that you're doing and flop it. And as soon as I did that, when I went to work, I now said, 
I get to be at work and my wife and kids are going to be okay and I don't have to think about them right now. And so I actually turn off the phone and I don't engage with them and I don't call them back and I don't text and I, I just don't engage because I want to be fully present in the moment where I'm at right now. And then when I go home, my phone's automatically programmed for a certain time. It goes into do not disturb. So if anyone calls me, if any, any clients or anyone reaches out to me, I never get the phone call because when I'm at home, I'm at home. I'm going to be in that moment. You have permission to be fully present wherever you are at. So living one day at a time. I don't have to worry about past. I don't have to worry about future. I'm going to stay right here. Talks about that in Philippians. Um, um, I've learned to be, uh, in whatever situation, I've learned to be content. So actually, we're going back here. So we're starting out here. God grant me serenity. Um, to accept things that cannot change, courage to change the things that can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, got a little ahead of myself here. We're going to be bold. So God, grant me the courage to change, change the things I can. God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Second Timothy. Wisdom. I like wisdom. Wisdom is a thing I've been praying for on a daily basis for about a year now. It's a simple prayer. I, I, I'm all about the simple right now. Lord, give me your wisdom. Help me see the world through your eyes. I don't understand some things. I can't understand some things. I need to have your supernatural understanding of it. That one prayer, I don't think I've prayed it enough. I think I still need to absorb more wisdom. I need to, I need to learn how to see the world through his eyes better because I don't do it good on a daily basis. And if I want to get good at one thing, that's going to be the one thing it, it is, is I want to have his wisdom. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Man, I love that verse. Lord, I'm going to ask for wisdom. Okay, now, the time is now. So now we're caught up. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. This next part, why would a pastor, why would a preacher, why would a minister put this in there? Accepting hardship as the path to peace. Those words don't seem to be um, congruent. Hardship, peace. Why in the world do you think that's included in this prayer? Yes. Spend time in a concentration camp? Hold on. Hold on a second. We're going to let you talk. Have you seen the Octomic yet? Yeah. Talk between its eyes. It's a weird thing we do here. That in the podcast. There you go. Now you know what we're talking about instead of this weird church that has like an octomic and what in the there world is on this podcast. What kind of freaks are these? Niebler was uh, a Christian in Germany. Uh, spent time in a German concentration camp towards the end of the war. I know. He was friends with Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Ah. Enemies at times, too. They yeah. had disagreements on how yeah. politics and church yeah. went at certain points. Kind of a Victor Frankl kind of approach. Kind of, kind of uh, man's meaning 
And right. Yeah, towards the end, I think, is when he came up with the prayer. Perfect. So if you're like me, has anyone ever asked, God, how come I can't learn peace in easy? I really like that. I was just going to say what you basically just said. Um, you grow through challenges and you grow through suffering. Yeah. Has anyone experienced that? Has anyone actually truly been through a hard time and in the midst of it, you're able to say, and maybe not in the midst of it, but near the end of it, you're able to go, I actually feel more connected to God rather than afterwards. Right between the eyes, those are the eyes. It's a weird thing. Yeah, through the last four years, I have gone through an unbelievable hardship. I've just lost almost every category of human wow. loss I've experienced. Um, and at the beginning of it, I had so little insight and I didn't even believe a, a just God would allow bad things to happen to you. Yeah. And having gone through all that I have, I mean, I never dreamt that in losing everything, I would find what I needed and yeah. what was I was missing all along. But it's really true. Yeah. Um, and I wouldn't exchange it for anything at this point, but I never would have dreamt that he would bring so much to me through so much hardship. Thank you. Wow. Anyone else? Just, you've, it's harder on the front side of this conversation to tell people it's gonna be okay, and oftentimes we dismiss it. On the back side of it, when you've been through it yourself, you actually can genuinely say, here's how I've grown. Some people go through those hard times and they become bitter, they become resentful, they shut down, they become protective, they become addicts, they become, they become, they become, they become, they become. Some people allow it to refine them, to shape them. Um, it, it's certain that's definitely true. At every point, you have to make the decision whether you're going to say, okay, God, I don't understand this, I don't like this, but I'm trusting in you, yeah. and I'm going to serve you. Yeah. And you just have to make that choice repeatedly. Day in, day out. Um, yeah, it's coming up. For those who are in the midst of a hard time, potentially the hardest time of your life, I don't know your stories right now, but if you happen to be going through those times right now, I want you to hear from a fellow sojourner, from a, another person who's walked through that. Okay, you are not forgotten. You are not forgotten. The one who gives us answers didn't think it was enough to stay on high, separated from the pain. He came down, he said, I know what suffering is like. I will experience it with you. And if I didn't avoid it, and you're not avoiding it, we'll walk through it together. Again, I don't know if that's your story right now, but if it is, you're welcome to come up and talk to me. You're very welcome to go talk to Ben. There's other people in the room here who would, who would be very happy to sit with you, and they might not have any answers. They truly might not have any answers, 
but I do know that they'll sit with you and they'll go, I'll walk with you through this. I hear that. We trust and God restores. Um, actually, let's go back one. Um, blah, 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 accepting hardship. Taking as he did the sinful world as it is and not as I would have it. I hate that part of it. That means you've got to walk out your front door and you've got to actually say, I don't have some control over this. Um, I'm going to take whatever comes my way. I actually have an assignment I give some of my clients, and when I give it to them, um, it's usually followed by swear words, and then it's usually followed by more swear words when they come back the following week. And it's for people who really have a difficult time with, with learning how to accept things as they go, accepting the world as it is. So the assignment I give them is um, they've got to get in their car, and when they get on the freeway, they have to stay in the slow lane, and they're not allowed to pass anybody. And usually about that time is the 67 Volkswagen bus that gets in front of them that hasn't hit 45 miles an hour since 1967 and it's just never going to hit 45 and they're stuck behind it or they're stuck behind the big rig or they're stuck behind. Has anyone noticed old guys with hats that drive? They're just a thing. They really are because you probably shouldn't say anything because I'm getting closer to that age. And my kids have made comments like that. Um, but you get behind a car and you look in there and sure enough there's a guy with a hat and he's doing exactly 54 and a half miles an hour on the freeway. And you are stuck behind him. Learning how to accept the world as it is and not as I would have it. I give this assignment to my clients and I tell them you have to do it until it stops hurting. Some people get it in a week, some people, six weeks, eight weeks, they're still swearing at me when they come in. They just, they, they want the world to be the way it is. Now again, there are some things that we can control and we can change. Traffic is, how you handle traffic is one of them. We can't actually change traffic, okay? And by the way, I will confess right now that my um, driving patterns um, are a conversation my wife and I have frequently, so, uh, I, I just want to have full disclosure here. I want everyone to know. Um, but you can choose how you go through traffic. You can't choose traffic in Portland. You can't choose how you go through it. And I've watched people get, we've all seen people who get irate, crazy, really frustrated because they are demanding that the traffic change in front of them. Uh, there's a word for that. It's called entitled. And the world doesn't change the traffic for you. Uh, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will. The S word. Surrender. That is an incredibly difficult word. Many of us, many of us go, I don't want to surrender. I don't want to put my, 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 my comfort, the control, my happiness in the hands of somebody else. I have to hold on to it as tightly as I can so that I can make sure that I get this. And yet, if we don't do that, then we don't get the second half, which is happiness and hope, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next, amen.
I love his wording. Again, supreme. Did I, is there a, supremely? I guess that's, is that spelled right? Or is that, that looks weird. And supremely happy with him versus reasonably happy now. Have any of you ever been able to quantify your happiness? I'm going to get up today and I decide that I'm going to be reasonably happy. That's it. I'm okay with C plus, B minus, happiness. And I'll be genuinely content. I'll be okay with that. Because I know I don't have to be supremely happy now. I'm going to be supremely happy forever, forever in the next world. That means we are able to endure. I'm teaching a series right now. Um, it's called Secure Marriage. And it's uh, walking people through... Um, uh, we call it the six secrets of every, every secure marriage. Uh, it's, the, it's the elements that every happy marriage, every fulfilled marriage, every secure marriage, not perfect marriage, but secure marriage has in it. And we use 1 Peter as a framework for that. And if you were to read 1 Peter, 1 Peter is a remarkably disturbing book. It's incredibly frustrating because it clearly starts off well, it actually starts off with good news. It says, congratulations, if you're a believer, we have won the lottery. We have a treasure that is, that is undefiled, unfading, waiting in heaven for us. In the bank account, has been deposited into our account $18 billion. And let's keep up with um, Warren Buffett. $73 billion. It's in our account. It's yours. It's never going to fade. It's never going to diminish. You have that. That is yours. You are rich beyond measure. And someday you'll have it. Now, because, can you imagine actually going to the bank and depositing that check? That would be sweet. I'd love checking my bank account in the ATM on that. That would be fun. But you walk out of the bank, and on the way to your car, some guy puts a gun in your back and says, give me your wallet, and that he takes your wallet and the $20 bill that's in your wallet. What would you do? How would you feel? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? Violated? Okay. As after you deposited, it's safe in the bank, nobody can touch it. He took, a, he took 20 bucks. Grateful he settled for it? If you got $73 billion, wouldn't it be cool to go, obviously you apparently need some money, you're resorting to some pretty extreme measures, let me write you a check, here's a thousand bucks. Because I got $73 billion. <laughs> it's covered, I'm okay. Here's a thousand dollars. Here's $10,000, how much do you need? Because at, in First Peter, it clearly states because we have these riches, we are now able to endure light and momentary afflictions. Ugh. That's why we can experience or handle light and momentary afflictions, because we are rich. Now, if the world is all we have, if this world says, I have to be supremely happy here, what do we do? That's my 20 bucks, dude, back off. Clock him across the face, because it's my 20, and I have to do this, I can hold on to it to be extremely happy if that's where your happiness is. And we get scared. Now, what's really ironic is, um, as they go through 1 Peter into chapter 2 and stuff like that, it gives three examples of how to apply this. 
I think the three examples are pretty ironic. One is um, boss and employee relationships, slave and masters are the use in there, and very clearly, very, actually no, sorry, that's the second example. The first example <laughs> is um, government and citizens. If we don't like the government, how are we supposed to respond? Might be appropriate for time such as this. Example number two is slave and master, employee-employer kind of relationship, and it says super clearly in there, even if your boss is unfair to you, act respectfully towards him. You don't have permission to be a jerk back. And again, why? Because we're rich. He can have 20 bucks. He can, he can cheat us out of a couple dollars. It's okay. We got enough. We're, we're going to be supremely happy. We got enough. So he can endure that. We can endure that when he treats us this way. Example number three, husbands and wives. This is why we talk about secure marriage, because I'm sitting with so many couples that are struggling right now, and husbands and wives come in going, they're just not making me happy anymore. They're not supposed to. And if you truly understand, we're rich. We have, we have riches that are unfading, undefiled, waiting in heaven for us when my wife does something and it hurts me, that's understandable and I can give her grace. More accurately, when I do things that are hurtful towards her, she's gracious towards me over and over and over again and I am in her debt. But we, we, her and I, are in God's debt because he's said, I've got you taken care of. So that's how we endure. That's how we endure. That's what gives us happiness and hope. Does this add new light to the serenity prayer? It's not just about knowing what you can change, what you can't change, and knowing the difference. When you, when you, when you follow the ultimate guide, that's what we're talking about tonight. Not only are we finding human guides in here, we're trying to find the ultimate guide. And he has not left us undirected. He's given us very clear ways on how to move through life. Now, it's really, really helpful when you have another human being to go through that with you, but the ultimate guide that we follow should be Christ should, and should be Scripture. One of the guys who applied this the most, um, anyone know who that is? He looks like just some punk teenager, doesn't he? Huh? Jim Elliott, well done, very good. Jim Elliott. Um, Jim Elliott was one of five uh, missionaries uh, back in 1954 who was killed down in Ecuador because he was um, working with a tribe down there that uh, were pretty vicious and they were trying to um, spread the gospel down there. So him and four of, of his buddies um, I think, I don't know if that's Nate Saint who's next to him, but they're standing right by, underneath the wing of a yellow airplane. They use that airplane to fly around and make uh, contact with these tribes and uh, build friendships that way. He, um, he's been known for, kind of coined this phrase, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. I have a, when I was um, a high school kid, um, in the 80s, I had a youth pastor who was colorful. That's probably the kindest term. Um, a lot of respect for this guy. He actually just passed away last year. Um, 
and he would come up to you, are you, are you a fool for Jesus? Whose fool are you? I mean, really good 70s and 80s Baptist church kind of youth group kind of stuff. It was really fun. Um, but this was his statement that he would say over and over and over and over and over again. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep. Why would we hold on? Why wouldn't we give up something that we can't keep? This is just never going to stay here. We can't hold on to it. But if I give this up, I get something that I'll never, ever, ever, ever lose. That's a no-brainer. If we can see it and if we jump on it. <sighs> Questions about that at all? Thoughts? Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? We could spend hours talking about this. All right, if there's no questions, I want to kind of shift gears real quick here, and then I want to make opportunity for some more people to step out of their comfort zone and to see if they can actually um, find some guides. Before we do that, um, <clears throat> came across this concept. Thinking is simply asking and answering questions to ourselves. How about that? Think about it for a minute. Thinking is simply asking and answering questions to ourselves. What am I hungry for? Pizza, Chinese, leftovers, eh. Asking questions, coming up with answers. Oftentimes, we get really, really stuck because we only have a, a limited number of answers to answer the questions that we ask ourselves. This is why it's so important to find a guide, someone who's a stranger who hasn't bought into your answers yet, because when they can say, huh, how do, you get out of this, how do I get out of this situation? Have you thought of this thing over here? Whoa, that's not anywhere in my programming right now. That whole idea, that's a whole new answer. I'm gonna write that one down. How about that? That's all it is. Thinking is asking and answering questions. It's not a complex thing to do if you're willing to expand and open up your minds to new ideas, to new answers in some way. And then I came up with these. Again, I've heard these before, but it seems to be appropriate right now. Uh, obsession with the past leads to depression. And obsession with the future leads to anxiety. You ever think about that for a second? Two of the things I see the most in my office over and over and over again is anxiety and depression. And it can be, again, in general, categorized with, I can't get past my past, and I don't know what's happening in the future, and it's freaking me out. So again, learning how to ask the one magic question. What's the magic question? Oh, come on. Can I change this? Living in the moment right now, that helps to clarify all of this. Now, there's good news. There's only one answer to the stuff in the past. Can you change it? That's easy. That's a lot easier. Now we get to learn how to deal, grieve, mourn, um, deal with consequences, grow, learn, all those things from the past that we can't, not going to bother taking time wishing it was different, hoping it was different, demanding that it was different, praying that it was different. 
short of um, Mr. Peabody and the Wayback Machine, which I haven't figured out how they built that yet, it's never going to happen. So you only have one option for that. It's the one going into the future. That's the, oh, I've got to make sure I make the right decision. I hope it's going to turn out the right way. And it sh it's got to turn out this way for me to be happy. And if it's not this way, yeah, then I melt down and I can't do it. Thought-provoking. Again, I like simple stuff. It's thought-provoking when you think about it that way. Anyone want to throw out something that might fall into the middle category? If in the magic question, can I change this? Change the weather? No. Change the traffic? No. Change my socks? Yes. Change my wardrobe? Yes. Being good in a band, can you change that? You can change that. Yep. 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 Anyone else have anything that falls into the I'm not sure category? What about, Paul? <clears throat> Hold on a second. It's over here. Ready? Um, I guess maybe relationships, since it takes two. Yes, isn't that a good one? That's usually the big one. <laughs> she threw it. <sighs> relationships. Can you control this? Can you change this? Relationships. It takes two. What do you think? Anyone want to venture a guess? Oh. Okay, so, okay, <laughs> this is good, hold on. You gotta talk into the octopus, let's just say that. Ready, catch again. So what'd you say? Um, <laughs> into the eyes, there you go. You can change how you think and interpret and apply or how it affects, the other person affects you. Okay, perfect, so there's a running theory. Val, what did you say? Okay, that's all right. We need to think about it. Lisa, did you have something? Ready? Watch your head. I don't want to hit you in the head. There we go. Okay. You can change yourself, and you can change the way you accept, or you can accept it. Okay, perfect. Anyone else want to put a venture a guess? All righty. I can, I can learn to be more patient and tolerant and accepting of others. Does that make the relationship better? No, but it changes my perspective on it. Okay, changes your perspective on that. Anyone else want to venture a guess? Or a, an opinion, or an experience? Because relationships are hardest. And I'm bumping up against this as I am working with a lot of couples right now. And I don't have any way to guarantee that a relationship will be perfect. Or healthy or sustainable because I can't control the two people who are sitting on the couch in front of me. Relationships require two human beings to make a commitment to each other which says, in fact it's the thing that I tell my daughter the most when she's looking at someone to date which is, is the person that you are dating um, self-aware? Are they willing to grow and change 
so that they can become a better human being. And in the process, she can help. Well, the way we phrase it in my, in my family is um, it's my privilege, it's my honor to help redeem my wife's story. She came into the story already messed up. Okay? She's got a history, she's got experience, she's got things, she's got wounds that she came in I had nothing to do with. We call it the bag of crazy. Um, and I'm the one man in her life who gets to study her and know her and unconditionally accept her, not demand that she be perfect, give her space to grow and change and make mistakes and try and fail and all of those things. And when I get to offer that to her and then she offers it to me because I came in with a bag of crazy just as big if not bigger um, than hers and she is helping redeem my story. And I believe me, when I'm working it out and I'm trying to get better, she gets the brunt of it. I wish it wasn't true, but it is. And when she's working out her stuff, I get the brunt of that. But if my happiness isn't dependent upon her making me happy, if my happiness is I got $73 billion in the bank, she can, she can take a couple thousand dollars, she can take a million dollars, I'm okay. Because it's, I'm, I am still going to be all right, and I don't need her to make me happy. That is what makes relationship work. It's two human beings being willing to take responsibility for themselves. Now, I sit with a lot of people where in a relationship, one person has chosen not to do that. And oftentimes the relationship is unsustainable because relationship is just that. You have to relate. <laughs> you have to be on the same page, going in the same direction, all those things. And sometimes relationships get lost because someone is unwilling to back off of a position or, or unwilling or un incapable of, of examining themselves and taking responsibility for themselves. So is a relationship something you can change or not change? I'm not sure anyone's any clearer on the answer at the end of all that. Um, what gets really, really hard is our human nature because we try to do due diligence. We try to go in and we go, did I answer all the right questions? Did I, did I make sure I'm picking the right one to begin with? And then people change. It's like, come on. This isn't what I signed up for. What's the deal? That's the hardest. I, that, mm. What do we do then? We could talk about relationships here, huh? This could be a thing. We'll do it later. What I have found clearly, clearly, and a lot of research actually um, demonstrates this, um, one person doing right behavior tends to become infectious. The other person tends to start doing that, not because they're told they have to do it, but because one person actually is, is acting rightly, and you actually can change the, a, a large majority of your relationship, not every time, okay, There's, this isn't a guarantee, but a lot of the time, when one person starts to act gracious, kind, loving, patient, all those things, when they examine their own behaviors, they stop attacking, they stop condemning, they stop being passive aggressive, they, they take responsibility for themselves, it 
by nature, the other person starts to soften. It's fascinating when that happens. But how do you tell which person? You go first. <laughs> you let your guard down, and you open yourself up to risk to get hurt by this other person, by softening and by, by you doing rightly. A lot of people, like, that's why I have a job. Because husbands and wives are going, I'll go when they go, and I'm not going first. And yet I have sat with couples and I've watched people. Oftentimes it's when I'm only counseling one half of the couple and I'm not doing couples work, okay? When one half takes that responsibility, risks, okay? Within reason, risks, you can start to see change. Again, not every time. This isn't formulaic, but it does generally work pretty good. That's why I think there's hope for a lot of hurting relationships. Ready to catch? Here we go. Good catch. All right. Between the eyes. There you go. All right. Um, well, I was just wondering if you could speak to the question, um, can I change in the context of um, parenting teenagers? <laughs> <laughs> can, can I change in the context of parenting teenagers? Can you be a little bit more specific? Um, well, I have two teens at home. Yes. And uh, just realizing what has worked raising younger kids is not no. working anymore. Yeah. And, uh, That's a hard one to learn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's painful. <laughs> um, so the question is, can you change? Well, can they change? Well. Please, God, let them change. <laughs> um, the answer absolutely is yes. Parenting is actually a skill set. It's something that most people have never taught or been taught. And a lot of people only mimic the parenting that they received because they don't take time to re-educate themselves, to hire a guide and learn an entirely different set of answers to the questions that they have in their head. Um, and there are remarkable, remarkable um, programs, teachers who can, who can walk you through, um, number one, understanding why a teenager does what they do. Short of two-year-olds, boys and girls too, yeah. Boys and girls moving into adolescence, the chemical wash that's going in their brain makes them go a little crazy, literally. Okay? They, they stop thinking rationally because their hormones are just crazy and all over the place with some of this stuff. Um, so sh short of developmentally, age two, their bodies are going wackadoodle. Um, and we can understand that. It truly is possible to educate yourself. And when you do it, parenting teenagers is probably one of the best things you can ever do, truly. I, I'll, I, parent my teenage kids a lot more than the little or when they were little because they're a lot more fun. They're just a hoot and a half. Um, I actually like my teenage kids. Right now, uh, we just graduated, so at the beginning of this year, I had three teenage boys at home. Boys. Two of my kids moved out of the house. We've cut our food budget by buco our insurance rate has dropped remarkably because they're on their own policies now we've got them on their own cell we're making money by kicking them out of the house here 
It's awesome. I love it. So, and can they learn? Can they change? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, if you want specific resources on that, I'd be more than happy to give you some of those because there's some really good stuff, bulletproof stuff. Ideally, find a really good parent and take them a coffee and go, my son right now, my daughter right now is driving me crazy. What would you do? Why are they doing this? I, I really, I really, I really, really... Um, this is my daughter over here, for those who aren't aware. Um, my wonderful wife, whom I love dearly, um, is very allergic to animals, which means we don't get to have dogs and cats and, and critters in our house because uh, it'll trigger asthma attacks. My wife can't breathe. And I'm very, very happy, very happy to um, not get little critters like that, but my daughter and I have been talking about, man, we'd like a puppy, we want a kitten, we, I want something a little furry. I actually really, really enjoy um, Caesar Milan. For those who know me, I'm a big Caesar Milan fan, a dog whisperer, um, uh, for one simple reason, okay? His, his motto is, is he, he, he rehabilitates dogs and he trains people. Um, when, I, when I watched his show, I've taken page after page after page of notes, not because I like training dogs, but because um, a lot of those apply to parenting, to therapeutic situations, all sorts of wonderful things like that. And one of the principles that he says is um, you have to understand why a dog does what they're doing before you try to go against their nature. So. I, one of my favorite stories is the guy who was trying to train his dog to uh, housebreak him, and the dog would piddle on the carpet, and the guy would grab him by the scruff of the neck, did old school, rub the dog's nose in it, and take the dog and threw it out the kitchen window out in the backyard so he could go do his thing. Piddled the next day, grabbed by the scruff of the neck, nose in the thing, throws it out the kitchen window so he can go do his thing in the backyard. Does this for about a week and a half, and the dog learned its lesson finally. You pee on the carpet and you jump out the window. Trained them, trained them well. If you feed a dog, what's the dog's biology gonna happen in about 20 minutes? It's gotta go. So if you feed a dog and then you lock it in, its, lock it in the house and then go out shopping for three hours, you're gonna come home to a nice little present in sometimes fun to find places. Okay? You can't get mad at the dog for that because that's the dog's nature. So when good parents are the ones who take the time to understand the nature of their kids and go, why are they doing what they're doing? And most of the time, their behavior makes sense. And if you can give them the benefit of the doubt, um, parenting can be really, really fun. My daughter taught me this lesson one time um, because we were having dessert, we were having dinner, and after dinner, um, again, four boy, three boys and a, and a girl, we pass around the tray of cookies or whatever, and the boys grabs some cookies, grabs some cookies, comes to her, and she goes, no, thank you. Comes to the last boy, he gets some, and then they all go, can I have hers? Can I have her cookies? Can I have, nope, 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 shut up, be quiet, leave me alone, kind of parenting techniques. Um, afterwards, about 20 minutes, we all jump in the car and we head to Target. And um, we go run the errands and grab whatever we need to get at Target, and then we're standing in line, and my daughter comes up to me and she goes, Dad, can I go get a slushie from the little cafe place at the front of Target? 
And my first answer was no, because that's the correct answer you give any kid anytime they're asking you anything, just because. And she goes, Dad, I knew that we were coming to Target afterwards. I knew that I'd rather have a slushie rather than cookies. I have my own money. Why can't I go get a slushie? Crap. So I stopped and thought for a second. I said, the reason you can't go get a slushie is because if you go get one, I'm going to have to listen to the boys whining and complaining about how come I don't get a slushie. But you know what? That's my problem, not yours. You've exhibited maturity, wisdom, budgeting, all those good things. You go get whatever slushie you want. Have a good time. And she did. And sure enough, hey, I want one. Where's mine? Can't I get one? Shut up. Okay. <laughs> When you take time to understand, when you allow yourself to be shapeable by your kids' reasoning, sometimes they'll school you. And I'm proud of the decisions she's made. She's now on her own. She's making incredibly wise decisions. I have lots and lots of trust in her because she practiced with slushies. Yeah. So, okay. Any other questions about what falls into that middle range of is it changeable, is it not changeable? Or else, I want to give some people some, some opportunity. What's really fun about this is, again, in the off time, I have people approach me going, Paul, I want to try next week, but it scares the crap out of me. Um, I'm going to do it my best. So I know there's some folks out there who have um, contemplated trying to come up and stand in front and to share what they want the thing that's been hard for them to say what they want, identify the obstacle that's in their way, and then see if we can find a guide for them. So, let's open it up. Anyone who is interested in coming up and trying to work through their stuff, uh, this is what it looks like again. You're gonna identify what you want, you're gonna identify the obstacle in your way, you're gonna share with the group, you're gonna find you a guide, going to risk doing what they say, and then we're going to eventually report back. So, one microphone, no waiting. Well done, sir. Take a deep breath. Tell everyone your name. My name's Todd Clement. Hi, Todd. Hi. What is it that you want? What do you want to do? See better. Yeah. All right. I want to be a proactive thinker and doer, not reactive to what life deals me. I want to know I am valuable and feel confident in doing new things. It's a pretty good goal, being proactive versus reactive. It's a pretty broad goal at the moment. How would you do that? In what area do you want to practice that in? Do you want to become proactive in what area? Do you know? Well, I, I've written one down. Great. It may not be the best one. But well, let's see I what it is. would like to start. Um, I want to start a business in woodworking. Wow. 
focusing on billiards tools and artistic pieces. I also want to produce and sell paintings and other artistic pieces. Wow. I want to be known for something good. So that they are known as something good or you are known as something good? Um, both, I guess. <laughs> A safe answer. Safe answer. If you had to pick one. If you had to pick one, what would it be? Do you want to be known for painting or you want to be known for billiard woodwork? What does that mean, billiard? Um, there's lots of products that you can sell to people that play pool. Okay. That could be made out of wood and things like that. Um, uh, cue stick holders, chalk holders, uh, pocket markers. Okay. All kinds of things. Really? Okay. Um, where do you need help with? Do you need help with learning how to do woodworking? Do you need help learning how to um, start a business? Do you need help marketing? Do you need help? What's the specific you need help in? Um, well, I could improve my skills in woodworking. You could improve your, okay. That, that would be nice. Got but it. How to start a business and how to market. What's, what's the biggest obstacle? The biggest obstacle? Woodworking, do you have enough woodworking skill right now or do you have enough business savvy right now? I don't have enough business savvy. So marketing business. Yeah. So it would be the business piece first. Yes. Okay. And what is the limiting belief that keeps getting in the way of starting this on your own? There's a long list. <laughs> Pick the top three. The top three. <sighs> well, it's Kind of funny, Ken, so what you were talking about today. I need to be really good, close to perfect, before trying something new. Yeah. Yep. Um, I can't start a business because I don't know enough to start a business. Okay. Um, you shouldn't try because people won't be interested in what you have to offer. Yeah, you've already said no for people before they've even had a chance to say no. Yes. Nice of you. <laughs> that way they're not burdened by that having to say no thing. That's right. That's good. Okay. Um, those, those limiting beliefs, are they under the beliefs where it feels true or are they under the conviction where you are defending that? You, are, you just know it to be true and no one can convince you otherwise. <clears throat> the limiting beliefs. <clears throat> Um, right now, I'd have to say I really believe it. You really believe it. Do you know where that got started, Todd? I know exactly where that got started. Okay. <laughs> Give us the story. Um, it got started, well, it got absolutely reinforced in high school um, by a study hall teacher. What did he do? Um, well, I have a quote from him. Okay. Back to my glasses, sorry. That's okay, just hold the microphone up a little bit. Uh, Clement, you will never amount to anything. You are not worth the time of the teachers in this school. The only thing you're good for is the army. 
so go get shot for your country. <laughs> get out of here. You're worthless. Go get your stuff and go. Get out. Get out. And uh, two weeks later, I tried to join the army and I was rejected. What do you notice going on inside as you hear the power of teachers' curses? Did you hear them? Did you hear their responses you were reading? Listen back to the podcast and you're gonna hear all of them go, oh, audible groan for you, Todd. <clears throat> what still stirs? Obviously you have some emotion around that. What still hurts about that? <clears throat> um, that I've let him speak that into my life, and I've believed it, and it's held me back for a long time. And what would you like to believe? <clears throat> what would I like to do? Yeah, what would you like to do? Would you, what would you like to believe? What's the new truth? That was his opinion. Uh, Clement, you will amount to a whole bunch of things. You are worth the time of someone who can teach you. Okay. You are good for a lot of things, invaluable to others in your country. Yeah. What would you like in a guide? What are the skills they're gonna have? <clears throat> um, someone who would know how to put together a business plan. Um, someone who would maybe have a little bit of a knowledge of woodworking. Um, and someone who knows a little bit about social media marketing, yeah. things like that. If you could pick just one of those three. <clears throat> Business-minded. Business-minded. Starting a business, setting a plan. Do you want to do this business so you can quit your other job? No, not currently. So this is a little side hustle going on. A side thing, and then if it was to take off, I'd... Got it. I'd leave my job. Yeah, you bet. So, is there anyone in the room who has done a little side hustle, side business thing that they can take a hobby and learn how to make a few dollars with it um, at first so that can start to grow and he can get some social proof? He can, he can start to see, oh, this this thing here I make sells, this thing here doesn't, I'm going to make more of these, here's how to price it. Here's how to get it in front of people. Do you know people who play pool? Yes. Okay. I how many people? A hundred plus. I don't know. Do you play pool? A little bit. <laughs> a little bit or a lot of bit? How good are you at pool? I'm a decent amateur. Decent amateur, okay. He knows 100 people who play pool. Okay, so he has an audience. He wants to take something that's gonna augment his hobby that he's doing. Does anyone in the room have any skill themselves or know of anyone they can direct him to that he would be able to know how to take? We have someone in the back right there. 
you know somebody or you know you are somebody wonderful Yep. Your name, please? Becca. Becca. Becca, this is Todd. Todd, that's Becca. Okay. Would you be willing to have a conversation with him afterwards and, and figure out a way to continue this conversation? Would that be okay? Sure. Would that be all right? Thank you, Becca. That is wonderful. I can't wait to hear how this goes. Val, you have a question? No, I was not. We have a theme going on here where there's oftentimes a large program and then you can connect with a human being, a one person who can guide you through that. We talked about that with, um, what was the thing last week? The, the what was it? A heart change, thank you. I, froze up for a second. So Heart Change is a, is a big uh, organization and then you can have an individual person who can walk you through that. Score. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, Score is a good program. Is that enough for you? Is that a good start for you? Any, sure. Any other specific questions you want to ask? No. <laughs> okay. I want to go sit down. <laughs> <laughs> Todd, thank you very much. Well done, sir. That's fun to watch. Anyone else? Really? Come on up. Thank you so much. There you go. Hi, Hello. I'm Paul. Debbie. Hi, Debbie. It's nice to meet you. Do you notice what's going on inside right now? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Can you put words to it? I'm just making myself vulnerable. Yeah, that's hard, isn't it? You can just talk to me. They'll just okay. listen. They're yeah, I know okay. they're there. Yeah, they're just <laughs> fine. They're just fine. Debbie, what do you want to do? I have a book that I've been writing for 20 years, and wow. I got to the point where I realized I wanted to end it with wisdom, and I realized you can't fake wisdom. No. So I thought I better acquire some before I finish this. Okay. <laughs> So Good I'm kind, kind of feeling like it's time. You've acquired enough wisdom. Enough. <laughs> Got it. And so I want to be able to finish it. Got but, it. Um, there's a combination of so many things in life where when I really wanted something, I couldn't have it. Really? And a whole lot of learned helplessness around that. Got it. What does it sound like? Is there a particular phrase that you hear or someone else kind of gave you? Well, kind of like, well, you're the exception to the rule that, you know, you're not gonna get the good thing. You're not eligible for the good things. Right. You're the exception. 
Everyone else gets them, but not you. I know better than to think everyone else gets them. <laughs> but when I look at those who do get, um, I grew up in my family, which it was very abusive and neglectful, but it was also had a lot of successful writers, painters, yeah. musicians, wow. actors coming through. And so the standard was very high, God. even though they didn't even teach us how to live a life. Yeah. But that didn't keep those standards God. from being, you if you're not world famous, you failed. Yeah, just that's a good rule of thumb, guys. If you're not world famous, you failed. <laughs> Is anyone world famous in here that, is anyone not world famous? Welcome to the tribe, we got hats, okay? Yeah. So, what would you like um, in the form of a guide? Well, let me rephrase that. You have a book that you've been working on for 20 years, so it's probably like 30,000 pages long, that's it, a lot of writing. It's, well, I've been gleaning it over the years. Okay. Um, probably it has most of the pieces ready okay. to put together. It's like a crazy quilt. Got it. Um, and I mean crazy. Um, that just needs to have the, I have the vision. I just have a lot of trouble. Every day, I don't feel like I can justify writing because I have so many other things that I ought to be doing. Yeah. Because I have a house and have to take care of it. And yeah, stupid responsibility. Yeah, gets in the way of creating. So, um, with the, where your book is at right now, um, are you needing an editor? Are you needing a publisher? Are you needing a proofer? Are you needing um, a... I know I know how to write well. I okay. actually do not doubt that. I'm sorry, can you say that again? I know that I know how to write well. Do you hear the, the <laughs> resolution in that? I know how to write well. Okay, so what do you need? I need to know, I guess, how to get it, try to get it published, but also, you know, I would really value it given pieces to people over the years, haven't ever gotten much feedback. Oh. Um, um, so I want, yeah, I want to know that what I'm writing, which is, it's very ambitious. It's in like four different voices, and one of them is wow. God, and one of wow. them is the voices in my head. Okay. Um, so I want feedback about it. All right. Would you want, you want feedback first before you get a publisher? Probably. Yeah, that's a good step, I'd imagine. Um, what kind of feedback? Do you need someone who is a professional proofreader? Do you need someone who's a good English teacher? Do you need no, someone? No, I know those things. Okay. It's about, it is intimidating to put all the pieces together. Okay. It's something I can, I can visualize. I, I know it's a lot of work, and that's where the permission to do it Got comes it. in. To, stitch it together. Are you afraid of criticism? Are you afraid of them coming back with notes going, this doesn't make sense, I'm a little confused here? Only if the criticism is like, runs deep, I guess. Um, I would like to know if something's confusing or doesn't make sense. So you're open to constructive, safe, kind, right. helpful. <laughs> kind and helpful would be good. Yeah, those are, so is there anyone in the room 
who is able to give kind, helpful feedback on portions of the book, probably not all of the book at the moment. Is that accurate or? Well, yeah, I mean, I have all these different sections I've okay. written now and. So we'll start with just a section for now. Is there anyone who has, again, skills or knows someone around um, proofing and being able to evalu evaluate writing style, writing quality, or anyone know where she can turn to? Yeah, here it comes again. Uh, I have a reference for somebody who edits and is working on a book himself and um, is kind of in the same shared space, but also he's a very quick reader, so he's already doing that. Um, so is he a Christian? He is. And I think, um, yeah, it might be a great place to start and talk to him. Also, I know a, con <laughs> I know a contact here at church um, who is a head of a publishing company. I can't hear him. There's a, a gentleman who's a member of the Mago community who's a head of a publishing company. Has a what? Who's head of a publishing company. Oh, okay. That's convenient. <laughs> yes, it is. When, would you be willing to do an introduction <laughs> or so she can ask questions and all yep. those things? Fantastic. Lisa and? Matthew. Matthew. Matthew, this is Debbie. Lisa, this is Debbie. You, got, you can come up and talk to them afterwards. That is wonderful. Thank you so much, Matt and Lisa. Wonderful. Any other things, any other questions you would hope to have answered? Any else you need? I, I guess I'm, I'm just not sure. Well, I don't know if this is the right form anyway to ask, but the thing about giving myself permission to take the time, even if it means the house will be messy or this is unrepaired or all the other things. What happens if the house is actually messy? Well, what then someone might come by and then I'll be mortified. Mortified? <laughs> because they will think what? That I'm an unclean person. Where do you think that message got started? Well, a great deal of psychological abuse throughout growing up. Got it. Reinforced by a bad husband. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm sorry to hear that. So this might be comforting and it might be distressing. I don't know how this will come across. But um, I've actually sat with several people in my office who have had similar, similar, I've sat with people who've had similar fears, similar belief systems. And just like the driving exercise where you get into the slow lane and you can't pass anybody, um, I give them the exercise to see what it feels like to go seven days and you're not allowed to clean your house short of the day-to-day. -day. You're allowed to do your dishes because you need to have, if you run out of those things. Oh, I've seen it <laughs> that way already. I, I know what happens. And then you invite somebody over. <laughs> Who's blind? Did you see? Did you see her waver there? Or she kind of teetered at the moment there. Oh my goodness! Do you th is, can you think of anyone who would be safe? Yes. And would be willing to sit in your um, catastrophic? Is that the word she used? What was it? Um, mortifying. They would be a safe, kind person. Yeah, I think so. You want to try that this week and see what happens? Okay. 
It's not a good week. Maybe in 2022, I can spend that in November. My daughter's coming to town. I haven't seen her in a year, and I'd hate for her to see that I'm making a mess of my life. This actually kind of reminds me of a parable somewhere in Scripture. Um, two ladies, what were they called? Mary, Martha, kinds of things going on. And what did Christ value? Mary. And, and because she was the cleanest? Um, she, uh, uh, sorry, I got distracted by the oil. <laughs> um, no, because she was putting herself at the feet of Christ. Yeah, I bet you your daughter would love sitting with you and letting you be present. And again, I know that's a hard step to take. That stirs a lot. But you might get to practice. You might get to try and see what happens. Okay? Debbie, thank you for coming up and risking this. You're very brave. I appreciate it. Well done. We got, oh, there we go. Look at that. That's what it's supposed to look like. This is brave territory right here. This is good stuff right here. This is hard. I admire everyone who's willing to sit up here and face those stomach. You know, a lot of clients come in and go, my stomach really hurts. I always say, it's shame. Let's, let's not waste a really good stomach ache, okay? We can see what happens with that. Anyone remember the purple bumblebee story? Purple bumblebee syndrome? I've talked about it before in past series. Purple bumblebee syndrome? Um, Purple bumblebee syndrome is... If I try to pick someone, uh, this is Hannah, this is my friend Hannah. Hannah, if I look at Hannah right now, I go, with all the venom, with all the vice, with all the, the, the uh, toxic whatever I can inflict at her, I look at her and I go, Hannah, you are a giant purple bumblebee. Huh. Giant purple bumblebee. You're laughing behind her. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to hurt her feeling. I'm really working at trying to. Why do you think people laugh at that? It's so not true. It's skewed. It's cute, actually. Yeah, a little purple. Yeah. When you try to insult someone and there's no semblance to the truth whatsoever, people can laugh it off. Okay? But if she walked around going, I think... I'm a giant purple bumble. I, I actually really think I might be a giant purple bumble. I hope nobody ever says that I'm a giant purple bumble. That would be the worst. I can't, oh man, I hope it never happens. And then I come, Hannah, you're a giant purple bumble. I knew it. Shoot, oh man, someone saw it. I hate it. There has to be a pre-existing negative belief for an insult, for a comment, for a look to be present. It gets past all those guards, and it's like an arrow to the heart. There has to be a pre-existing negative belief 
already in place when someone insults you. Now again, that's good news and bad news. Because the good news is we can change those things. We're not helpless. We are not held hostage by other people's opinions. We can actually go, am I a giant purple bumblebee? Hmm, let's take a survey. How many in the room think I'm a giant purple bumblebee? Nobody? Huh, that might not be true. Let me go to the doctor. Doctor, am I a giant? Nope, I'm not a giant purple bumblebee. All right, let's research giant purple bumblebee. Nope, I have no reason. I might not be a giant purple. I am going to choose to believe I'm not a giant purple bumblebee. Now, when you keep saying giant purple bumblebee, it just gets a little bit more and more ridiculous. But let's pick a different word. I am not an inconvenience. I am not lazy. I am not stupid. I am not unlovable. I am not unwanted. The, the room got quiet. Because those feel true. And yet, I wonder if they are. That's why, that's why we're looking at the pre-existing negative beliefs. Because they have power. And I want you to be like Hannah, who's not a giant purple bumblebee, no matter what I say. I don't want any giant purple bumblebees in here. It's hard to do, isn't it? It's tricky. Anyone else? Thank you. <laughs> well done. Come on up. Hi there. Thank you for coming. We'll switch sides with you here. I don't know either. We could spend the evening examining it, but we'll let it go. <laughs> I'm Paul. Hi. Hi. I'm Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Sarah, what do you want? Do you want the broad answer or the specific <laughs> first? Well, you give us what you want to start with, and then we can go from there. Okay. There's a lot of things I want. Okay. Um, but I had to specify it, so. Okay. There's something, but the overarching one was just to abolish fear um, of failure after investment, whether that be time or money. Okay. Or energy. Okay. Um, and I boiled it down to, um, to wanting to build a tiny house. Build a tiny house? Yeah, on wheels. Cool. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty specific. I mean, there's a lot of steps in between that, but that's <laughs> Okay. Um, and what is the obstacle? What's the thing that's getting in the way? What's the um, belief that's saying you can't do this? I think that... If I begin, I won't finish it, or I will fail in the process of doing it. Oh. If I can get over the hump of actually getting the money to start it. Got it. But let's assume you can get the money. Somehow the money shows up in your bank account. The limiting belief is, is I won't finish this. Am I hearing that right? Yeah, or that I don't have the skills to, or the resources, not okay. just money, but got it. all of the things that you need to build a house. Have you ever built a tiny house? No. Do you have the skills and resources? I don't have the skills yet. I think I could there. gain them. That's my favorite. We're going to do a quick timeout here, Sarah, real fast. That's one of my favorite words right there, yet. I don't have the skills yet. Is that okay to say out loud? 
if you had to build a tiny house right here in front of everybody and they were watching you, could you do it? You can't look at YouTube. Yeah, not yet. Not <laughs> yet. And is that okay that you don't know it yet? I think it's okay if the yet means I can eventually. Do you believe that you can learn new skills? Yes. Even skills that are required to build a tiny house. I'm assuming carpentry, electrical, plumbing, roofing, yes. painting. I just don't want to saw my hand off. You just don't want to cut your hand off. I don't want to have a house and not a hand. That would be a good thing. <laughs> I, I second that motion. Okay, so how to operate heavy machinery safely or small machinery safely. Good, uh, good goal. <laughs> okay, do you actually have the tools? Do you have a shop somewhere and you actually have a s circular saw? No, I have nothing. Reciprocating saw, a drill. Nothing. Oh, I have a Dremel. A Dremel. I don't even know what to do with it, though. Building a tiny house with a Dremel <laughs> might take a little time. It can be done, but you might go through an awful lot of bits. Um, <laughs> a really tiny house. Yeah, we can build like, a scale model. That could be fun. Unlike a Hot Wheels. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I guess I didn't say how big I wanted it That's to be. That's right. <laughs> or that I wanted to house. live in it. <laughs> Got it. Um, okay, so you have to acquire the tools, you have to acquire the skills, um, and then you want to build a tiny house. Uh, do you have a time frame you're looking at? I have to be out of my house in a month. <laughs> so this series should have come last year. Is what yeah. I think I can figure out what to do in the meantime, but in the meantime, I would like to do it as soon as possible. Yes, coming, it's now August, so coming into winter, uh, okay. Do you have a place to put a tiny house? I do. You do? Yeah. All right. Uh, how much, uh, how are you going to acquire the funds? Are you going to sell everything you own, or are you going to take a loan, or are you going to, what are you going to do? That's the obstacle. Um, I, the emotional aspect of it is just not um, feeling like acquiring the money is a surmountable thing. Um, it is a insurmountable thing? Is it is not it a surmountable, is, okay. so it's insurmountable, yes. Okay. <laughs> um, I've tried to get a loan for it, but it's not considered an RV loan, and it's not considered a house loan, and I can't get a personal loan because I'm self-employed and that looks bad yeah that's cylinders so um yeah i just it just feels impossible right now yeah those are some big obstacles practical obstacles those are kind of what we talked about last week which is real obstacles versus belief obstacles mm -hmm. that's a hard system to go through if you're self-employed it means you got to get some funds in in uh, unique and special ways so what is the thing that you are needing from a guide the most how to acquire funds and then once you get the funds then you can get the tools and then you get the tools you get the trailer and then you get the stuff then you can build a tiny house or you'll figure out the funds somewhere else and you want to actually buy a trailer with what you have now and get started I would like to get started um, but I do need the funds first so I guess what I'm looking for in a guide is just somebody that has a resource for uh, creative lending um, or to hire me to do graphic design for you or photography. There you go. <laughs> Which I know a lot of you guys are starting businesses. So if you have <laughs> money, give it to me and I'll give you a logo. <laughs> it's called synergy. That's how it works. All of you want to start a business, go to her. Okay, um, okay so 
again, being specific, what would you like to have in the guide? Someone who's about creative lending so that you can get the money in place first? Or um, I guess maybe somebody also to encourage me in other ways to accomplish something so big and scary, um, something very permanent for someone who doesn't feel comfortable investing in something. Yeah. Um, it's something I want, but I'm also not sure. Okay. Because it's an investment, and I... Um, I don't tend to throw myself into large things very often. I can do lots of little things and build a life out of lots of little things, but... A big thing. Yeah, big things are scary, and I yeah. tend to not want to um, just invest myself in them because it would take a lot of sacrifice, and sure. I fear that I won't succeed. Okay. There's actually a name for the fear that you have. You want to know what the name is? Yes, please. It's called the sunk cost fallacy. If I keep putting money into it and money into it, I'm afraid I have to keep money into it to keep it going even if I know it's not going to survive or I'm not going to get the money back out of it. And it's, it's a, you're afraid to get started on something because you're not going to get your return out of it. So it's called the sunk cost fallacy. Um, is there anyone in the room who's actually built a tiny house? It's Portland, so we, <laughs> we have a tiny house person here. Did you have issues with lending and money and all those kinds of things as well, or you've built them? So you might have kind of a step one, two, three, four, five that you could walk through with Sarah here and, and kind of get a plan in place so that she can get a timeline, she can get a resource list, she can get an accurate, accurate punch list of exactly how much it's going to cost, all those things, and then you can go in much more informed. Does that sound helpful? Yeah, it does. Your name? Darren? Darren, this is Sarah. Sarah, this is Darren. You guys willing to talk afterwards and have a conversation here and figure out how to get this information? Would that be a helpful place to start? Yes. I wish that we could. Is there anyone here who has um, financing and, and lending expertise on creative funding? Nikki. Okay. That'd be great. Thank you. All right. <laughs> so you got two places to start here, Darren and Nikki. Anything else that you need to make the next big step? Probably. Yeah. I just don't know what. Why don't we start here, and then when we do a follow-up, you can we can maybe be more clear about what you need on some of that. That's that okay. Sounds great. Thank Perfect. you. Perfect. Thank you, Sarah. Very good. This winter, um, September, October last year, uh, I bought my very first motorcycle. I've never ridden a motorcycle before in my life, and I wanted to um, learn how to ride a motorcycle. So I bought a 1982 Yamaha XJ650R Seca. Um, it wasn't running. I picked it up for 500 bucks off of Craigslist. It is a awesome motorcycle. It has this big, huge headlight on the front that's just, it looks great. I've um, 
did some modifications to it so it looks more like a uh, Cafe Racer-esque for those who knows what that is. And it's, um, it's a lot of fun to ride. I, my son and I, Sam, my third kid, my second son, um, we bought that because my first son bought his motorcycle and it's like, hey, that looks kind of fun. It'd be fun to go riding with him. So I like a good project and it was a good winter thing to do. So Sam and I uh, did all the necessary things on this. For those who know anything about motorcycles, um, I don't know how long it had been since it had been running, but when I drained the oil out of it, five quarts, five and a half quarts of oil came out of the thing. How much does a motorcycle normally have? Two quarts, two and a half quarts. I don't know why there's five quarts of oil in this thing, but there was. Drained it, redid all the brakes, redid all the electrical, put blinkers back on it that he had removed, um, new tire on the back, um, got it running, um, uh, syncing up and balancing four carburetors is a challenge and a half to get this thing running right. It's a, like voodoo uh, carburetors and motorcycles. It's kind of tricky to get it running just right. Learning how to use something called a manometer, for those who don't know what it is, that's measuring vacuum in four carburetors, make sure everything, that's how it goes. I got the bike running, uh, I got the bike started running, but it was running terrible, and because carburetor um, tuning is, is an art-like kind of thing, I said, I'm gonna pay someone to um, get my motorcycle running just right, because I actually had to do some modifications. The guy had cut up the air box, so now I have wrong fuel-to-air ratio mixture in this, and every form everywhere says, always put the stock air box back in to get those ratios right. I didn't like the look of it. It's a pain in the butt. I put pods, filters on there to, to look cool and to run better, but now I have to rejet the thing. I didn't know what I was doing. So, I went to, I started looking up uh, motorcycle shops, and I went to three of them. I got an 82 Yamaha, here's what it is, can you help me? We don't touch those. If it was a Honda, maybe, but a Yamaha, no. We don't touch old motorcycles. Go to the second guy, here's what I got, can you help me? We don't touch those, why did you buy one of those? <laughs> Third one, really, it's amazing how people stay in business. I said, here's what I got, can you help me tune this? And, and it was like I asked him to give me his first child or something. It was like, it was, it was contempt toward, I'm a customer. Can you just, I want to pay you for your service. I can't find anyone in town to tune these carburetors. And I don't know how to do it. Yet. But I have learned and tried and um, played and fiddled and watched more YouTube videos and bought jet kits and I probably spent more than I needed to on this but when I finally got the answer of no one's gonna help me I now just realized I have to learn this because number one I got all this money invested into this motorcycle 500 bucks plus a couple hundred bucks for extra parts, so it's not like a whole bunch of money, but I got this money into it. I don't want to lose my money out of it. I took the class, I got the license, I got the certification, I got it registered, and now I got to get it running right. I guess I'm going to have to learn how to tune this thing. It's still not running quite right, but I rode it around today. I enjoyed it. It's still, when you hit the, hit, hit the throttle, it still lags just a little bit, and then it will get going. So I'm told that the, the pilot jet might be out of it and running richer. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure this out and learn this. So 
All of this to say is when you are faced with a situation where you've explored all your options and you literally know there isn't anyone who's going to help you, if you still go to the, I can learn this and I'm going to teach myself, and it might mean my motorcycle doesn't run quite right for a while, but eventually some guy's going to come along. So actually what I do is when I'm riding around and I find someone who has an old motorcycle and I pull up next to him and I look at his bike. He's got old carburetors. He's got pods. He looks like he knows what he's doing. Hey, do you know how to tune a motorcycle? I'll, I'll buy you a beer. I'll buy you whatever you need. Can I bring the bike over? Can you teach me? I'm willing to learn. Can you instruct me? And look for the guide. Who knows when they come, but you have to be looking for them. You have to be aware. I keep getting fingers pointing at you, so I'm going <laughs> to, really, I'm going to have a nice conversation with you. That'll be nice. I'm Paul. Kaylee, nice to meet you, Kaylee. Um, I might have just made my day. <laughs> this is nice. I had to ride my bike today because my son took my car off to work and my wife had the other car and I needed a bike. So anyway, all that to say, sometimes the best motivation is to get started and get stuck. And then it's like, I am going to be darned if I figure out how to make this work right. I I now know nobody else is out there and I will still learn it. And when you give yourself time and patience to do it, you can learn it. You're under a little bit of a crunch, you need a roof over your head. So that's a little bit of a different thing. But um, sometimes the best way to get started is to get started and then figure out along the way. That's my motorcycle story. It's a fun bike. I'm still learning how to ride and not be scared, okay? The first time I rode that bike, I thought I was going to throw up. It was terrible. Man. But I'm learning. Any other questions or else we'll go and then we'll hear a few more next week. People who want to try. And then the last two weeks, we're going to do follow-up. We're going to do kind of wrap-up and hear the end of the story, just like Paul Harvey. All righty? And now you know the rest of the story. Thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like more information, please visit allelmore.com.